Oh, what fresh hell is this? This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. All right, so it is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. It is June the 18th, uh, the night that we are recording this. Uh, happy Father's Day to the fathers out there, and uh, <laughs> conspicuous by his absence on Father's Day is uh, my own father, but uh, he, he's uh, stuck working tonight, so we'll forgive him for that. Uh, but Junior, Ben, and Alan, the Cigar Savant, we're all here with you. Uh, in terms of what we're smoking on tonight, I, myself, have the Davidoff uh, Nicaragua Box Press. Uh, I bought a couple of packs of these uh, a while back, and I've had a few of them, you know, aging for a while. Got a handful left, but honestly, this is my favorite uh, Davidoff cigar, at least since it hit the shelves. Uh, the wrapper is a change from the original Davidoff Nicaragua. This one switches over to a Habano Oscuro wrapper, and the filler has... Uh, all Nicaraguan tobacco, but from four regions, Condega, Esteli, Jalapa, and Omatepe. Uh, this thing's got a real nice uh, peppery hit. It's got a little ajero in there uh, to give you that strength factor. Uh, really, really good uh, tip right off the top of the show. Uh, if you don't mind the premium price tag, this is an amazing cigar. And in my opinion, the, uh, the best thing to come out of Davidoff right now. Uh, ben, what are you smoking over there? I have this evening a Camacho American Barrel Aged Robusto. And this is going to be playing a part later on in this podcast in the show uh, for a new release, but we'll get to that later. It is uh, uh, it's American or Connecticut Broadleaf Wrapper, Broadleaf Binder, and the filler is Pennsylvania Maduro and uh, Connecticut Broadleaf, and then the Barrel Aged Corojo. So the Corojo has been aged in bourbon barrels for about six months. Um, and so it gives it a nice woody smoked charred flavor to it. Um, so I just thought it'd be something a, a little bit different than my average smoke. Yeah. It's uh, that's actually one of my favorites. Have you had that one before? A long, a while back, but I'd forgotten about it. So this is kind of. So it's new back. to you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, I've got the Davidoff Nicaragua, he's got the Camacho, and uh, Alan, what you got over there tonight? Well, I chose the Cuellar Connecticut Cream by uh, Villiger Cigars. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Villiger has been around for a long time, makes some great cigars, and the Cuellar Connecticut Cream is one of the three lines that were introduced in 2014 by Villiger Cigars. And in addition to the Quellar Connecticut Cream, the other two lines released were, and you'll probably remember these, Trill or Thrill, and a, which was a Habano, and a uh, Cabaret Maduro, which was a fuller uh, box-pressed Maduro. And both of which cigar shop. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I have smoked them. I have been given samples by reps. Um, I've seen them at shows, but I've actually never seen those two cigars in a cigar shop, if you can believe it or not. Now, the um, Coelar Connecticut Cream is meant to be a milder, creamy offering uh, of the three. Now, Villager and Sons Limited was established in 1888 by Jean Villager in Switzerland, uh, where Villager remains headquarters to this day. Villager Cigars North America was established to service the premium cigar enthusiast primarily in the United States. The company manufactures and sells more than one and a half billion cigars annually, so it's a big company. And um, Villager went to, and I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Josie Blanco, and the Tabaclara, uh, let me say that again, Tabacalara La Palma factory in the Dominican Republic uh, for his tobacco and production expertise to bring the product behind these brands to life. Now, the Coelar is named for Diego Vasquez de Coelar. Vasquez was a Spanish conquistador who sailed with Christopher Columbus on his second voyage to the New World in 1493. And he settled in Hispaniola, which is the island that the Dominican Republic is a part of. Eventually, he played an integral role in the conquest of Cuba. And by 1515, he was appointed governor of Cuba. The Connecticut cream is derived from an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, here is a Cuban seed Piloto Lajero, and the filler is a 1998 Cuban seed Criollo from Blanco's private farm in Yagua, uh, which I probably just butchered also. Uh, combine these tobaccos. Uh, when you combine these tobaccos, you get this really creamy profile. Now, I can describe this cigar in one word. Smooth. And let me give you another word, flavorful. Now, with this cigar being an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade, I expected uh, a mild and classic taste. However, I was really surprised with the black pepper notes right from the start. Once the pepper subsided, there were notes of cream and wood. There was also a subtle fruit sweetness emerging in the background, almost lemony with a natural sweetness. With the cream and wood in the forefront, the two notes alternated in intensity for the duration of the smoking experience. Uh, the fruit and natural sweetness in the background complemented these flavors perfectly. Overall, I found the cigar to be mild to medium in nature, and a perfect morning cigar, uh, one that could really be enjoyed with a cup of coffee. Now, my tip to you from a cigar tipster is that I'd recommend this cigar to a novice cigar enthusiast looking for a flavorful cigar without being overpowered and to experienced cigar enthusiasts 
who can appreciate a milder smoke, they're going to love it. Uh, and this is one of those cigars you have to try. Now, unfortunately, I was looking in my one of my humidors, and I had several of these, and I said, oh, this will be a great cigar for me to smoke for the show and, and to review. And, of course, I, I had one Saturday morning with a cup of coffee, and it was terrific. And um, I sat down, and I kind of took some notes and wrote up this review, and I decided a little more information. So I called the rep that I happened to know for Villiger, and uh, he informed me that uh, this cigar is no longer available. So I uh, did he say why? Spent a whole lot of time uh, telling you about a cigar that is no longer available. However, um, my tip here again is going to be search for it. If you find it in a catalog, if you find it in a brick and mortar, buy it. You are going to love it. Okay. Yeah, I remember first introduction to Villiger was actually, I believe, two years ago at the Chattanooga Tweetup, and Jax was still repping for him at the time, uh, but they were just kind of, you know, really starting to go heavy into the premium cigar market, but. You know, they get discounted a little bit because of the machine-made cigars that they do make. But they do make some really good, respectable, uh, premium hand-rolled cigars as well. Well, you know, I, I, I can tell you, they are just phenomenal, what they make in the machine-made arena. But when they went into the hand-rolled premium cigar market, you know, specifically for the U.S., there hasn't been anything that they, they've made that I haven't liked. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you guys remember several years ago, they came out with the um, uh, Tabajera, I believe it was. Marketing was a, um, like a jungle woman. Do you guys remember that at all? Uh, with the green label? Like a green? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got you. And then they came out with uh, uh, one that they used a girl dressed up as a pirate to sell. Mm -hmm. And then they quickly realized that, uh, you know, Americans don't go for that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, I've got some pictures of me with these two young ladies that I'll send to you, and we'll put them on the website. Okay. And, Don't sound uh, so enthusiastic. So <laughs> I got distracted. My <laughs> my phone went off, and it was uh, something slightly urgent, so I'm kind of ADD uh, when it comes to that sort of thing. But, yeah, we'll definitely take a look at those and get them on the website and uh, on the Twitter as well. Speaking of that, uh, be sure to find us on all those forms of social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, bleh, Facebook. <laughs> uh, we are at Cigar Tipster on all three of those platforms. And, uh, of course, the so, newly... So, Mark... Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Mark. <laughs> 
So if I want to go to our Facebook page, I go online, I go to Facebook, and what do I look up? Uh, you can actually type in facebook.com forward slash Cigar Tipster. And it'll take uh, you right actually, to our page. Yeah, that'll put you right in our backyard. Uh, if you're on the Facebook site already, use the search bar up top, uh, Cigar Tipster, and we should be uh, very very near the top of that list. And actually for and Twitter and Instagram, Instagram, it works the same way. Same way. Uh, okay. Instagram.com forward slash Cigar Tipster and Twitter.com forward slash Cigar Tipster. Uh, now, the other way you can do it, if you go straight to CigarTipsters.com, you look up in the upper left-hand corner, uh, you'll see the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram logos. Just click them, and it'll get you right where you need to go from there as well. Excellent. You know, Alan, I think you bring up a good point, and I think, uh, I think there's a slight tie between the cigar I'm smoking and, uh, and the ones you're smoking. And I'll, I'll, Here's my theory. So you're smoking a cigar by a company that also makes machine-made cigars, okay? So I'm smoking a cigar that the leaves have been aged in charred bourbon barrels. Now, what they have in common is as cigar enthusiasts, aficionados, we tend to try to be as purist as possible. You know, we, we try to stick to the guns of, hey, we want to go straight from farm you know, to ash. We don't like any interruptions in between. We want to keep it as pure as possible. However, I don't think it's unethical to veer slightly outside of those bounds as to what's possible for flavors and not get a bad rap. So with Villiger, because they make machine-made, I think a lot of people may see them, oh, they make machine-made. They obviously don't know anything about making premium hand-rolled because they're what we consider to take a shortcut with machine-made. You know, we tend to think of machine-made being you know, the little cigarillos and the Swisher sweets and the things of that nature. So, you know, we kind of read, you know, take the book by its cover. And with the Camacho uh, barrel aged, it's been aged in bourbon barrels. And, you know, we always preach and harm that we want cigars separate from our drinks. You know, we want bourbon in a glass and cigars separately. That way they don't, you know, keep them separate. But when you age the leaves in the bourbon barrels, you get a different flavor profile. It's not straight from the farm. It goes into a, a different process than just being rolled. So I think what we need to do is it, it's okay to expand outside of our purest zone and see what other flavors could be available and not to judge a book by its cover. Um, I have been looking and reading a little bit about Villiger and their cigars and I don't know if they carry it in my shop. I haven't looked, but I would be, I think what you've told me about that cigar tells me that they do care about the quality of the cigars that they make. And yes, they do make machine made, but that's, that's not a bad thing. That's just what they do. It's just part of their portfolio. And that doesn't mean that they can't put quality in the cigars that they make. Just like Camacho, just because they age the leaves in bourbon barrels doesn't mean that they're trying to veer away and do flavored cigars that, you know, maybe an acid or something like that where they infuse it with the mist or something. I, I don't think it's that way. They're just trying to take a little bit more edge to what they do and think just a little bit outside the box. And I don't think that's really a bad thing. Would you agree well, with that? Yeah. You know, Ben, first of all, you have to realize that the majority of the cigar smokers in the world are smoking machine-made cigars. 
That's a good point. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, for every, let's say, one hand-rolled premium cigar that I'm smoking, the guy across the street, you know, is smoking 10 um, white owls. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what he likes. And that's what he wants to spend his money on. That's what he can afford. So the the majority of people are smoking machine-made cigars. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. Right. They are not a, a premium hand-rolled cigar. And I think a... I, I think most uh, machine-made cigar smokers, if they smoked a a premium hand-rolled cigar, would think they'd guide and gone to heaven. But but again, it's something that they can't do every day or two or three times a day, which some of them like to do. So they go for the machine. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Vilger makes some of the finest machine-made cigars in the world. And, you know, they do have this different division, this group that does the hand-rolled premium cigars. I think you're right. I think Villiger looks to be, just by kind of glancing over, that they seem to take pride in the work that they do, machine-made or otherwise. They just look for good quality tobacco, whether it's hand-rolled or not. Um, So... you know another thing about I'm smoking right now. Another thing about the uh, about Villiger is at IPCPR. I had an interesting conversation with their national sales manager, and she was telling me that they had had some difficulty figuring out just who they were. They wanted to present the company, you know, to the U.S. And if you look at their advertising now, they're going on tradition. Hey, we've been around since 1888. You know, we know what we're doing. We grow our own tobacco. You know, we we employ some of the best people. And so you'll notice they've gotten away from that crazy advertising of the the pirate girl and the jungle woman and you know, some of the craziness. Mm-hmm. So that was test marketing their different ideas to see what they thought. And yeah, you might say that, but they, again, they've decided on, they're going to go with the tradition. And that's uh, probably a smart move in that respect. And Ben, you sent me a, uh, an article a couple of days ago about some uh, federal, <coughs> excuse me, federal regulations uh, threatening the Tampa cigar industry. So I'll give you a couple minutes to uh, dive into that subject if you'd like. Yeah. Um, so I found this. Uh, it's on uh, WFLA.com. It's the news company in, uh, in Florida. And uh, the news that they did was, it says, that's titled like what you said. It says, the federal restrictions threatening Tampa hand-rolled cigar company. So there is a company in Tampa Bay um, that uh, the owner's name is uh, Macedo. And what his quote was, we are paying the FDA to put us out of business. So as we get closer to these FDA regulations coming down, um, I'll give you an example as to what he says. So they make 34 different types of cigars with, uh, with about, I think, two, two or three or four sizes of each 
um, and there's an application fee of $50,000 for each to get the uh, and to hopefully get the approval through the FDA. Um, hey, Ben, don't that's forget. Just don't, don't forget they also want 1,000 samples of each. That's true. They want 1,000 of each for whatever reason. I guess just to smoke them while they take our money. And so, uh, you know, they, they did an article in uh, executive editor Dave Savona from Cigar Aficionado says that the family-owned businesses will feel the biggest impact. He says most of these companies are small. They can't afford this. Uh, you know, and it's true. These family-owned businesses don't have millions of dollars in deep pockets to be able to afford all this. Um, and so it's going to be, you know, with them, you know, closing doors if it comes down to it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a real shame because this place, he says, look, we're not here just to sell souvenirs. He says, we're here to sell the brand of Tampa and people go to Tampa. They order cigars overseas to like Germany and Canada to get these cigars because it's unique. And, you know, he's just a simple guy trying to make a simple living. And yet the FDA is coming down hard on him to, uh, among other people, you know, for these outrageous fees and, and, and processes and paperwork. Um, and, you know, I guess if you guys had read the article, I wanted to get what your opinions of it were. And do you think this is kind of the first stage of what we're seeing with the FDA overregulation having a direct impact? Mark, you want to start so, out? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it from here. Uh, it, it kind of shocked me in way in a way when I first read the article because it, it's one of the first articles in quite some time that's about the numbers and what the true cost behind this process is going to be, and that's something that the FDA kind of kept hidden, uh, at least from the public eye in the early parts of this process. But when you look at them uh, or you look at a company, uh, you know, like our friends at Trade J who have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, you know, five different cigars at this point, they would have to spend $50,000 per cigar to get that cigar approved. Plus give them a thousand uh, cigars straight out of inventory. So that's a thousand dollars that you've basically just flushed down the toilet straight out the door. And uh, I don't know what the hell the FDA is going to do with a thousand cigars. Uh, I, I did read somewhere that they were buying uh, some sort of smoking machines uh, that was supposed to measure the, uh, the chemical content of the smoke coming out, which is uh, beyond ridiculous but so you need a thousand to figure that out what the first 999 wouldn't give you a clear answer yeah exactly so you're literally going to have like you said hundreds and hundreds of cigars sitting around that the fda will probably never do anything with because it, let's face it it's a government organization uh, uh bureaucracy at its finest but it it really this article does a good job of uh posting what the numbers are going to be, but also really highlighting the impact on small businesses. And I mean that both in terms of companies that make cigars, but also in terms of the shops that are out there selling cigars, because they're going to end up with less product to sell. And the products that they do have to sell are going to be coming from the large companies 
that can actually afford to go through this process. Yeah, well, and, you know, 99.9% of the cigar shops are family-owned mom-and-pop businesses. Mm-hmm. And this FDA regulation, you know, affects them and will put them out of business. And the majority of the cigar companies are small family businesses, and it's going to put them out of business, mm-hmm. which is actually what they want because they, they, we're doing it for the children. You know, we, we, we got to protect our health. Well, and uh, I think the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I, you know, I still, I was having a conversation, uh, Saturday with with someone in a cigar shop and we were talking about the fact that with all these new rules and regulations that are in place our opinion was that nobody's following the rules anyway and who's actually following up from the FDA to see if anybody is following the rules and I don't think the FDA, you know, really knows which way is up on their own rules and regulations or how to even go about following up to see if anybody's following the rules. Yeah, that brings up an interesting point that I hadn't really considered. Who's, who's going to enforce this? You know, like restaurants have the health department. Are we going to have some sort of... Uh... We'll just call them glorified tobacco police uh, that are going to go around to shops and to factories and, you know, make sure that all this stuff is being followed. Well, supposedly, but, you know, Trump put a stop to them being able to hire anybody. You know, that was one of his first things. We put, we're putting a moratorium on new employees. And so the FDA, FDA hasn't been able to hire anybody that can do this job. And I'm still hoping that the new FDA director, who happens to be a premium cigar smoker, will, uh, you know, kind of put the kilbosh on some of this at least. But at the same time, it's it's the government, so it depends on whose pockets are being lined and how deep they're being lined. It well, does I'm, kind of beg I'm the question. I think you're right, gonna, when he stops tweeting and worrying about all this minutia, uh, we'll we'll get into this. Yeah, it's it's time to. Uh, yeah, we don't get political very often on this show, but uh, you know, I voted for the guy. But quite frankly, it's time to take his Twitter away. He doesn't need to be doing that. He should be very much preoccupied with work and and not worry about t- tweeting and Instagramming and all this other shit. He doesn't need to be doing that. And, uh, you know, because what we're seeing here, all, with all his tweeting and everything, what we're seeing is, like with this article, it, it hit me to want to share it here on the podcast because it's an actual real-life, you know, it's a, an example of what the FDA is doing and how it's directly affecting the cigar industry. And 
you know, like you said, Alan, there a lot of them are mom and pop stores. Like this guy, he's just he's got his own little shop in Tampa. He's just trying to make a living. And for the FDA to come down with all these regulations on him for no reason, with discredited examples of you know protecting the youth, which we've proven it does not. The premium handrail is not in the hands of the youth, or very, 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 yeah. very few of them. Um, so it's not and about and the look, children. You're looking at the city of Tampa, okay, Ebor City, mm-hmm. which was home to you know the American cigar manufacturing market for a long time and it's very steeped in tradition and the history of the cigar and you know i know that this this article this news story was about one family but the reality is is that there's many many places like that all over tampa all over ebor city and you could really be talking about a heavy-duty economic impact, you know, in that area. Yeah, yeah that's really it, true. I mean, the U.S. It, is one of the largest uh, importers and, and exporters of premium cigars and, and consumers. It's a big part of our industry uh, economically, and it employs thousands of people, you know, just making a living like everyone else. Um, and to just come down with a blanketed, you know, stifling the industry like that, I think is completely unconstitutional and uh, it's wrong. It just simply is, you know, uh, there's so many other vices and illegal things out there that the government should be worried about. And I don't think premium cigars are the, should be the least of their concerns of all things. Like all of a sudden premium cigars are now this, you know, since 1676, when cigars were rolled, there was no threat. Everything was fine. Yeah, now all of a sudden all cigars places. are... Just it's destroying America. It's it's destroying the fabric of America because of some rolled up leaves. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Well, never. Tampa. Why would I want to even go there? Mm-hmm. Very true. So let's, right. uh, let's switch gears to uh, something a little a little more upbeat. Uh, a new cigar uh, that's going to be hitting the the shelves. Uh, I believe June twenty second, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Uh, one that I'm particularly excited about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when Ben was talking about his Camacho American Barrel Aged, uh, that's one of my favorite cigars, definitely my favorite Camacho cigar. Uh, so I'm super excited about the brand new Camacho Nicaraguan Barrel Aged cigar. Uh, this one comes, uh, and I'm going to quote the, the article here because I like the way they say this, but it came draped in an Ecuadorian Havana 2000 wrapper. Uh, it covers binder. Uh, that is Mexican San Andreas. And the filler is from Nicaragua, Honduras, and the Dominican Republic. Uh, so probably a good cigar uh, straight out of the bat. But the tobacco, uh, the American version is aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. Uh, in this case, they're going to be using Nicaraguan rum barrels to age the uh, tobacco for five months uh, inside those. So it should give some interesting flavor to this one. I know uh, it had a good effect on the just, American side. Not just Nicaraguan rum barrels. Florida Cana rum barrels. Nicaraguan rum. That's right. I, I've actually been to the uh, Florida Cana rum factory. 
How was it? In Nicaragua. And it is an incredible tour. I would highly recommend that to, to anybody. That would be a heck of a cigar tip. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a great tour. It's really informative. Uh, you get a little rum when it's over with. And, and the prices will kill you when you see what you pay for Flor de Cana rum here versus what you can buy it there at the factory. You know, $7 for 21-year-old rum. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. You see everybody coming out of there with arms filled with bottles of rum. Wow. Another, uh, another Had it all, all gone before they ever got on the plane. <laughs> another unique feature of this cigar, and apparently this is something they started with the power ban not all that long ago. Uh, apparently Camacho is using a proprietary bunching method that they claim improves combustion and flavor performance. Uh, I think I know what they might be talking about. I'm take, I can take a guess. Yeah, go for it. So there's technically three different types of way that they bunch cigars. Um, one of them is called entubar or entubado. Entubado. It's a bunching technique which basically takes uh, the leaves and rolls them into themselves like little straws or little scrolls, basically. And then they bunch those together. And what you get with that, it's a, it's a unique technique that cr- it, you can firmly pack the cigar but allows for airflow to pass through. So you get a, an even burn and you get more aromatics and more flavors because it allows more surface area, I suppose, inside to burn. So it's it's the most complex way of bunching it, and it's not many large scale manufacturing people use it because it's more painstakingly time consuming, more expensive. Um, it's more expensive. Um, there's also a bunching called accordion, which uh, involves folding the outer sides of the filler leaves inward one at a time, and then places the leaves on top of each other like an accordion. Um, I don't know how many people use that. Uh, maybe a few. And the third one, the most common one that we know of, is called the book. Um, it's called booking, and it involves layering the leaves flatly on top of one another. If you've watched a lot of any YouTube videos of them rolling cigars, they typically are doing a book method where they're pinching off the cigars and the leaves of the filler, placing them on top of one another, and then rolling the binder on. That's the most common one. But I think that if they're going to go through this much trouble, the proprietary method is probably either a variation of, entu- of entubado or that very one themselves uh, but um are you are you, know, you sure talking, it's not bunching done on the thighs of virgins you know i don't know if it is i haven't confirmed that but i'd be willing to go down there to find out how many virgins are down there and then which ones are doing the rolled cigars <laughs> so i uh, that that's gonna, that's going to be an investigation we will uh you were, we'll flip the yeah. phone we'll see what happens yeah, we'll come back to that on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of the podcast, we want to thank you for listening tonight. Uh, you can find us on just about anywhere uh, podcasts are disseminated. Uh, you know, if you're an iTunes uh, guy like I am, simply search Cigar Tipster and give us a subscription. That'll get you notification shows come out. Uh, if you go to our website, cigartipsters.com, and click on the podcast uh, option there, either at the top or in the middle of the page. Uh, We actually have links directly to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 
uh, if you want a, a good quick route, uh, and if you do it on your mobile device, it will automatically reroute you uh, to the appropriate place to get that subscription there. And uh, be sure to tell your friends. Uh, they can sit around and uh, ev even if they don't have anybody to smoke with them, they can sit here and listen to us talk for uh, 30 or 45 minutes while they smoke. I know uh, Kirk's brother likes to do that uh, with the show. And uh, one other story we've got before we start wrapping up tonight. Uh, discovery, thanks to Ben. Uh, a new outfit called the Good Cigar Company. Yes. And it's an interesting little concept. And I think, Ben, you mentioned that you had actually uh, placed an order with them. Um, but from what I saw, they're, they're good for two things. One of them is for the person who maybe has very little, if any, cigar experience and wants to give it a try. And the reason this is kind of perfect for that is because for $25, they send you a sealed uh, individually humidified pouch that has uh, two cigars. And when you uh, order your pouch, you pick the uh, uh, light, medium, or full, depending on what you want to try. But they send you two cigars, uh, a box of matches, and a plastic guillotine cutter. So they give you a either a nice little starter kit, or if you're someone who does smoke cigars, uh, from time to time, but doesn't want to invest a lot of money in humidors and lighters and cutters and all that sort of thing. You know, it's great for the occasional smoker also. Uh, ben, which version of the, the pack did you end up getting there? I ordered the, I guess, medium-bodied. This is a mild and medium, and then they have one that's the aficionado, which would be the full-bodied. That's what they call it. So I ordered the medium. I kind of want to see. I don't know what cigars are in it. Um, I just placed the order a couple days ago, so it's not here yet. I'm going to bring them with me when I come uh, down to visit. But um, uh, but like you said, yeah, they put a the little cutter, they put a box of matches. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the story of kind of how it, who started this and where it came from. Um, it's a guy named Will McCain. And uh, basically what he started doing is uh, he found his love for cigars in the, in, you know, the hills of the Appalachian Mountains and smoking with his friends. I guess he had a cabin up there. And what he did was he, he liked smoking cigars with, with his friends. And so he carried that, uh, that passion with him into college. And what he would do is he would bring cigars with him uh, to game days and, and on the campus, you know, celebrations and things like that and sell them on campus. He even started a business called Wake Cigar Company in which he sold cigar packs for beach weekend and game days. So it became just kind of a routine for him. And then what he did was, after years of putting his own cigar packs for weekend adventures, he decided to just do this full time. And uh, I really like the, the modern approach that Will does with this company. It's a very simple, easy to understand and easy to start with cigars. It doesn't give you a pack of like 10 or 15. You basically just tell him, look, you know, I'm just starting out. I want something that's maybe medium bodied or mild just to get my feet wet. And so he gives you everything that you need in there. It's enough to, for you and maybe to share with a friend or family. Um, and he gives you all the materials that you need. And it's just, the website is well done. Uh, I think the sealed pack is good. Um, it's, it's a very simple and modern approach to cigar smoking, get it introduced to someone who may not know anything about it. Um, so uh, I ordered that pack and I'm going to, you know, we'll review it 
maybe the next podcast and see what they give us and what we think. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely an interesting concept. And uh, the one thing I was curious about when I was looking at the website, whether it's the light, the medium, or the uh, the aficionado version, I- I'm wondering if he uses the the same cigars each time, or if it depends on what he has in stock at the time. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Curious, because you yeah. don't get to choose which cigars they are. You just order the intensity, and then he sends you mm-hmm. two based on that profile. So I'm kind of curious um, as to what's going to be in them and you know what why he designates them to be medium or full bodied but um on that note we should uh, we should probably ask him to come on <laughs> that way he can just answer all these questions for us i think that'd be great i think it'd be an awesome plug-in and uh um i'd like to hear his his side of it because he tells firsthand yeah definitely uh huntsville we're uh, up in our area we're pretty dry when it comes to events they just had a uh a Davidoff Father's Day uh, a little uh, shindig over at the Humidor and Pipe Shop, but uh, uh, we don't have anything scheduled right at the moment. Uh, either of you gentlemen got anything going in your area? Well, this weekend coming up, we've got uh, part two of the Woodstock Tweet Up at Casadilla uh, Allen. Yep. And. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Benjamin. Actually, it's, I think it may be. Uh, I think we, we were talking about it uh, last week. Uh, we may actually try to record one of these in person. Uh, so that would be interesting. It would be the first time uh, we've all recorded this in in the same room. Uh, normally, we're not even in the same state, much less the same room. That's true. Yeah, it, but, it, it yeah. would have been since since the tweet up. It would be about a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be uh, myself and Senior and Ben uh, will be there with Alan and his wife Marley and also uh, Jerry Garrett and his wife Darlene. They'll be on their uh, return trip from Miami headed back for uh, Cincinnati. So uh, it does look like the whole gang is going to be together on this one. If any That's of the listeners. Some phenomenal cigars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone who's out there is listening, if you're in the Knoxville area, there is an event going on July 14th, starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, it's on Kingston Pike here in Knoxville. It's by, it's Silo Cigars. It's an Oliva cigar event, so it's going to have Oliva and Nub products for sales, and there's going to have a raffle and things like that. Uh, so definitely check that out at silocigars.com. Very cool. All right, well, we want to uh, thank everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, again, since it is uh, June the 18th when we're recording this. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day. And uh, same thing to the mothers, if they happen to be both, uh, depending on what the situation was. Uh, <laughs> but we yeah, appreciate you being uh, uh, being with us here tonight. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully on the next one, we'll uh, all be in the same room and... Uh, uh, smoking something really good uh, when we do it. But uh, until yeah. next time, hope everybody has a good night and uh, get out there and smoke something good. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.